1: Welcome to Access Atlanta. I'm your host, Shane Harrison, and this week I have once again our dining editor, Lagaya Figueres.
2: Hello, Shane. How are you?
1: I'm great. And you have just recently had an assignment that many people are probably going to be very envious of.
2: Yes, barbecue.
1: Yeah. Everybody loves barbecue. Well, you know, those of us who aren't Vegetarians, I guess. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, you know what? You can get some pretty good smoked sides sometimes right? that are vegetarian. Yeah, but yeah. yes, this is mainly for the meat lovers. Yeah, yeah. And Atlanta has some passionate meat lovers.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. I, I mean, you know, it's a national thing. Even though, you know, people often Absolutely. think of you know, the South and all that, but you know, everybody loves barbecue. There are barbecue restaurants everywhere That's now. That's right.
2: That's right. It's not just a southern thing.
1: Yeah. But
2: we we do love our barbecue in oh, yeah. here, so. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, and this uh this goes with our spring dining guide.
2: Right. So the theme of the spring dining guide, it is barbecue and um my team and i just looked around not only uh... inside atlanta but you know throughout um, actually uh, various parts of georgia right and it was really interesting what we learned now the 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 premise however is the Atlanta barbecue scene, and Mm I'm going to say Metro Atlanta, has really exploded. Right. Um, Even in the past few years, but probably the last 10 is just, uh, it's really come into its own.
1: Right. Yeah, I know. It used to feel like, you know, there were some pockets uh, around that that didn't even have a barbecue restaurant nearby, but that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. It's like almost everyone has something really close now. That's true.
2: And when we're talking about, yes, the quantity of uh, barbecue restaurants in Atlanta has increased increase, but also the quality coming out of these barbecue right. places is fabulous.
1: Yeah, people are taking more chances, I guess. With... I
2: think so, yeah. I mean, yeah, and you see so many different styles represented, many hybrid styles. Right. Um, you see sort of uh, next generation, um, right. you know, pit masters coming out. We see uh, chef-driven yeah. um, operations as well. So, yeah, there's a lot to, um, to appreciate about our scene right, right
1: now. Right, and it's also getting recognized more by, you know, like the mainstream of, of, you know, uh, critics and, and things like that where it's, it used to be, you know, not something, it wasn't fine dining, so it didn't get the respect maybe. That That's
2: right. Um, we mentioned in the guide, Brian Furman, right. who is the, um, owner pitmaster of Bee's Cracklin Barbecue, which, um, have unfortunately suffered a fire in March that closed it down. But Brian has had some uh, numerous accolades that right. have come his way. Um, he is one of Food and Wine's best new chefs this yeah. year, and you know he's one of ten. And, and actually, when I was speaking with him, and this is the first time in 31 years that they've recognized a pitmaster. Wow! So right, you have this nationally respected culinary magazine. Finally, giving some uh, credence to right. to, to pitmasters. Yeah. Right. So you know, and he was also uh, named a semifinalist for the James Beard uh, Best New Chefs in the region. So yeah, it's it's, it's uh it's a great time to be a pitmaster. Yeah.
1: <laughs> So uh, the dining guide uh, is also, we're going to have here in in the podcast, you talked to a couple of folks. Well, you talked to uh, Jim Alkmoody, who is a former colleague here at the AJC. He has a new book.
2: He has a new book. It's called Smoke Lore, um, coming out in May. And uh, Jim is such a barbecue authority. Right. So we couldn't do this guide without him. And uh, Jim explored both the Georgia identity of barbecue like what is that does does georgia have a Mm -hmm. barbecue identity and um And he is also the curator for the exhibit that's currently on display at the National History or the Atlanta History Center, which is called Barbecue Nation, and that'll be ongoing through September. Uh, It's a wonderful exhibit if folks haven't seen it; definitely worth the time. Um, Yeah, and then uh, folks are going to be able to listen to Wendell Brock, who is my fellow dining critic here Mm -hmm. with the AJC, and he and I put a fair amount of time driving around. (laughs) highways and byways right. and back roads, uh to to seek out a little bit of barbecue further away from yeah. Atlanta.
1: Well there's so many like hidden jewels that people might not know about. You know, I'm sure the locals around there know about them, but you yes. know Um, we're going to tell people about some of those hidden spots, right? Absolutely.
2: (laughs) Time for a road trip. Nothing better than barbecue and a road trip.
1: It is, yeah. And there's something about eating barbecue in the middle of nowhere that's uh, fabulous. I don't know. I I really love it.
2: Oh, I love it. I love it in the country and I love it in the city. I'll take it any which way.
1: No matter where you are, barbecue is very tasty.
2: Yes. So (laughs) eat up on barbecue. Uh,
1: So is there anything else we need to cover?
2: I think we're good. Let's go have some barbecue.
1: Awesome. Okay. Well, thanks a lot, Lagaya, for uh, joining us and bringing us this uh, very tasty story.
2: My pleasure. Anytime.
1: <laughs> and uh, let's hear from uh, the other folks, uh, Jim Moody and Wendell Brock uh, on barbecue.
2: There's no better time to be a barbecue lover in Atlanta. The scene has exploded in the last few years with more options than ever. In our spring dining guide, we explore the local barbecue landscape. And among the stories you'll find in the guide is one written by former AJC editor and reporter and barbecue authority Jim Okmudi. Jim is the co-author of The Ultimate Barbecue Sauce Cookbook and the author of Smoke Lore, A Short History of Barbecue in America, to be published this month by UGA Press. In addition, he served as a consulting curator for the Barbecue Nation exhibit on display through September at the Atlanta History Center. Jim is with me today in the studio to talk all things barbecue. Jim, thanks for joining me.
3: Thank you, LaGaia. It's a pleasure.
2: Great. All right, so let's start from the very beginning. You have been a barbecue aficionado for decades, and I just want to hear a little bit about what sparked your love of barbecue. Why this passion for barbecue? Where did it come from?
3: Well, I'm a Georgia boy. I mean, you you have to love barbecue. Now, my earliest barbecue memories were going to this drive-in in South Decatur. It was called Lefty's Drive-In, named for a semi-pro baseball pitcher, uh, Lefty. Um, and it was it was a classic old '50s drive-in. And we, my mother used to take the kids there, and we would get curb service and it would take forever it seemed like to me at six years old for the sandwiches to get out there and and, and all that time you're smelling the pork cooking on the hickory pit and i just i mean it's actually one of my earliest most vivid memories of a a food just driving me crazy driving Uh, you crazy (laughs) yeah yeah and the other thing is that i also have a very uh, a long family tradition uh with this on my father's side uh, my great-grandfather in Bartow County, Georgia, was a noted pitmaster. My grandfather was certainly a noted pitmaster, Bob Moody. He was written up in the Saturday Evening Post in 1954 in an article they did about Southern barbecue called Dixie's Most Disputed Dish. They just happened to set it at a barbecue in Bartow County that my grandfather was the pitmaster for, the U Harley Farmers Club.
2: Wow, that's fascinating. So you're like barbecue royalty, I guess. Well, I don't know if I'm royalty, but
3: we, you know, the thing is, is I have a very deep personal connection uh, to it. A lot of people in Georgia and in the South do, and, and frankly, a lot of people in America do. I, I mean, I think it's truly our most national, most American food.
2: So now let's fast forward, you know, 25 years to, uh, to 2019. What do you notice about the barbecue landscape in, in Atlanta, and what excites you right now about the current scene?
3: I think we have everything. I think that uh, there are a wide variety of styles in Atlanta. A great many of the really good barbecue places have opened up in the last 10 years. Uh, You you know, probably uh, one of the best places, which burned a month ago, was Bees Cracklin in northwest Atlanta. And he's a South – Brian Furman's a South Carolinian by way of Savannah. And he has a certain way that he cooks that – is not actually exactly the way they did it in the Georgia Piedmont. Uh, the Fox Brothers, who are Texans, uh, are pro- probably run the most popular barbecue restaurant in Atlanta, and mm-hmm. and they come at it from a very Texas sort of uh, viewpoint. Although they've adapted a lot of Georgia stuff, uh, you know, Heirloom Market Barbecue uh, up on Acres Mill Road is uh, everybody knows about them. They're really good. They've got that kimchi coleslaw that they right. put on their pork sandwich, right. which is such a great combination. Oh yeah.
2: Well, it, 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 that's one is fascinating just because you do have this Korean inflection in the meat and the sides. Yes, delightful.
3: No, it is delightful, and uh, and you know there, you know there's a bunch of places that have opened up that I think are good and do certain things well. I mean, I think Dixie Q up in Brookhaven is good. Uh, Community Q is a little bit older, but it's still very good. They use a gas hybrid smoker, and when they have somebody running the smoker who wants to use more wood, it's very good. When they have a lighter touch, not so good.
2: Well, you know, interesting that you mentioned Dixie Q. One of the things that we've seen just in the last, um, I guess, year-ish or so are chef-driven places. Yeah. Dixie Q is one of them. That's um, Scott Serpa's. We have, you know, General Muir folks coming up with wood, their— uh,
3: wood, What is it? Woods, uh, Wood's Chapel? Woods Chapel, yeah, I'm right? looking forward to that. You know,
2: and even somebody like Sean Doty, who has some fine dining places, has gotten into the act with his King Barbecue, mm-hmm. um, which has recently moved and is opening up in uh, in Buckhead originally. I mean, you know, it was over in uh, Avalon. But those are just three of a number, so that's kind of an interesting subtrend within um, the barbecue scene in Atlanta right now.
3: Well, the two things that have really driven the growth of really good barbecue, not just in Atlanta, but in a lot of cities around the country in the last 10 years, one of them has been the popularity of the cook-off circuit. A lot of fine barbecue places have been opened up by people who did well as hobbyists cooking. Uh, You know, uh, Sam's Barbecue One in East Cobb is a good example of that. Sam, oh, yeah. Many, Sam,
2: many trophies when you sit down at that place. They just line the wall.
3: Sam Huff was a lawyer who got into barbecue as a hobby and became so good at it, he became Mr. Barbecue. Um, and then the other thing are these chef-driven, uh, what I call craft barbecue. Uh, it's, it's the uh, rediscovery of traditional barbecue craft that's driven a lot of the restaurants. Those two things have really been responsible for the renaissance of barbecue in the last 10 years in America, I think.
2: That's really uh, interesting. Now, let's talk a bit about uh, regional styles. Because folks typically say, okay, there's the big four, right? Texas, North Carolina. Memphis, and uh, Kansas City. So let's talk about what, does does Georgia have an identity? And um, if so, you know, what is that? You're a Georgia boy, so...
3: Georgia definitely has an identity, but it took me a long time to sort of recognize it. I kind of wrestled with this question. Number one, that whole shorthand about the four regional styles is pretty much a creation of journalists who had to write about uh, barbecue and oversimplify it. So, so I take some responsibility for it. Certainly used, <laughs> I certainly use, I certainly that back in the nineties and all it's that. All when your you're, fault, Jim. But, but there, of course, the world of barbecue in America is much more diverse than that, and much more. Uh, there, there are a lot more regional styles. Uh, it isn't just those four places and when we talk about that, those four places, one of the things that we really overlook is the degree to which the Deep South is one vast barbecue hotbed that's built on pork. It really denigrates Georgia and Alabama, which are two of the best barbecue states in the United States. Georgia's style, particularly the Piedmont, Georgia, the, the Atlanta uh, north, northern section of Georgia, our style is chopped pork, usually a shoulder, sometimes a ham, served with a a red tomato based sauce that has a lot of vinegar in it and it is usually served with a side of Brunswick stew. This is the part of it that I was so obvious to me that I didn't actually sort of enunciate it. Brunswick stew is a really huge thing in my family. We're stew makers going back into the 1800s. I just sort of took it for granted that everybody knew Georgia barbecue was about Brunswick stew. But when you really think about it and when I was talking to some other people they said the single most distinguishing thing about barbecue culture in Georgia is that Brunswick stew is a big part of it.
2: Yes, uh, having only moved here about three and a half uh, years ago, that's when I first tasted Brunswick stew, Is here here in Georgia. Never had it in my life before.
3: Well, I mean, it's really only found uh, in, in large, uh, it's really only predominant in three states, Virginia, North Carolina, and Georgia. And then there are parts of other states, Alabama, and some other places where you will find it. But of those places that have it, it is by far more expected here. Uh, When you have people like Brian Furman moving in, he didn't have it on his menu at first. He's, you know, South Carolina, South Carolina Savannah, his background, you're expecting more barbecue hash over rice, which is I think what he had when he originally opened. But he soon found out he needed to add stew. I think the Fox Brothers were the same way. You know, Brunswick stew, they don't do that in Texas, they do beans.
2: We know that barbecue encompasses every region, right? And it's also not even unique to the United States. But um, Barbecue in America is the focus of your new book, Smoke Lore, mm-hmm. a short history of barbecue in America. So tell me a little oh, bit about the goal almost, with your almost book.
3: Almost 270 pages. Yeah, okay. Some people have told me, yeah, that's not very short.
2: <laughs> All right. So tell me about the book, uh, uh, the, your goal for the book.
3: Uh, and the book is essential. I mean, it is a history of barbecue in America. It is not a cookbook although there are 26 recipes it is not a travel guide to the best barbecue around uh, although there are lots of good barbecue places mentioned in there it is primarily a cultural history of this most american of foods and it is not simply southern it is all over the place there is barbecue history in every corner of this country
2: so tell me about uh, something that might have surprised you in in your research. What did you unearth that was uh, a well, discovery the, for well, you? Well, one
3: of the things that surprised me a little bit is, you know, we think of barbecue now as uh, denoting a restaurant or uh, being something that you cook in your backyard. A hundred years ago, it wasn't that at all. There weren't restaurants and there, wasn't, there weren't backyard cookers. Barbecue back then meant a big event. It was like a political barbecue or a fundraiser, or a church reunion barbecue, something like that. Um, one of the things that really nationalized barbecue was when it moved into the backyard, when there, when smokers and cookers and brick pits were getting built and all that, mostly right after World War II was the period where that really flourished. I had just to sort of assume that like so many things in barbecue that that flowed out of the traditional barbecue homelands of the South and Texas, it did not. Barbecue, backyard barbecue cooking is very much a creature of California.
2: Fascinating.
3: It came out of Sunset Magazine and uh, the whole, uh, Sunset Magazine was a magazine founded by the Union Pacific Railroad to try to promote the West Coast for tourists and for people moving out there. And in the 19-teens and 20s, they started promoting this idea of cooking on brick pits in your backyard And it had nothing to do with Southern or Texas barbecue traditions. It was all inspired by Mexican rancheros. And I I love that story because it was something I didn't know about barbecue. And it also shows you that there are different branches on this barbecue family tree, and they don't all come from a pig in Georgia.
2: (laughs) Uh, That is really fascinating. So I can't let you off the hook without asking you right now, where is your favorite place to eat barbecue?
3: In Atlanta or anywhere?
2: uh, Well, I would like to focus you in Atlanta, but maybe we can say two things. What's your favorite place in Atlanta? And then if you're outside the state uh, and you're going to make a pit stop somewhere or what's worth the drive?
3: Well, my God, this is the, this is the most difficult question to answer because it actually depends on what you're looking on. The best pork sandwich I've ever had is at Payne's Barbecue in Memphis uh, in, in a little converted gas station on the south side of Memphis near the Stacks Museum, uh, which is a, nice, it, it's a good confluence of things that are near and dear to me. Um, but in, in Georgia, my single favorite barbecue place is Fresh Air in Jackson.
2: What's your order?
3: Because, well, it's the barbecue plate. It's chopped barbecue okay. with Brunswick stew on the side, and usually there's some white bread. And, you know, do I, think, do I necessarily think it's the best barbecue on earth? No. But, but barbecue, probably more so than even a lot of other foods, is so much about your memory and your associations. And fresh air, I associate it with fun. One of my favorite uncles when I was growing up was Uncle Earl, who was a gifted stew maker, and he was a career Air Force officer down at the Robbins Air Force Base in Warner Robbins. And when he would come to see us, he would often stop at Fresh Air or another place nearby there called Stodge Hills, and he would bring us barbecue. And Uncle Earl was the uncle who told you dirty jokes. (laughs) <laughs> so <laughs> I associate with that barbecue uh, with with fun times. Also, I love the place. It's the second oldest barbecue place in Georgia. It was founded in 1929. It's, uh, it, it's just a, a wonderful, rustic place on the side of the road uh, uh, on U.S. 23. And it's, um, you know, and it's got one of my favorite names, barbecue. I love some of the barbecue names, Fresh Air. I mean, you know it's not Terry Gross. It's, it's it's a barbecue place. And, you know, uh, Fresh Air in Georgia is a great name. Uh, Dreamland in Alabama is a wonderful name. Short Sugars in North Carolina is oh, a, a very me, evocative. Me I mean, there's so many. I, I, and that's one of the things that we all love about barbecue. Some of the chain barbecue that's come along has actually been is, is quite good. Jim and Nick's is good. Uh, uh, City Barbecue out of Ohio, that chain is very good. Uh But what we really prize about barbecue is the uh, individuality and eccentricity and the, the sort of folk artiness of it.
2: So, uh, Jim, thank you so much for joining me. I know that y- you could talk barbecue all day. And in fact, if folks want to hear more from um, Jim Okmudi, you can see him when he makes an author appearance at the Atlanta History Center Thursday, May 23rd, to discuss his new book, Smoke Lore, a Short History of Barbecue in America. And you can reserve your ticket at atlantahistorycenter.com.
3: But I'm also doing a talk about a month later on Tuesday night, uh, uh, June 25th, at the uh, Carter Library. And that one's going to be very interesting because it's very specifically about uh, politics and barbecue. I could have written a whole book about politics and barbecue. It is a rich, rich subject.
2: I betcha. To produce the Spring Dining Guide, the AJC team hit dozens of barbecue places and ate a lot of smoked meat. I'm here with my fellow dining critic, Wendell Brock, who I now refer to as Swindle.
0: Hello. Hello.
2: We're going to talk from our research yes okay so you speak
0: pig latin
2: oink oink i don't know i I,
0: (laughs) can i call you miss piggy
2: you can call me Legaia pigaris (laughs) or miss piggy miss piggy will do okay swindle thanks for joining me
0: thank you for having me
2: all right let's get to the meat of the matter i think that you and i put miles and miles on our car we put Pounds of meat in our belly. What are some of the most interesting things that you learned in the course of your barbecue research for the Dining Guide?
0: Um, really, I was um, one thing that struck me is how Atlanta barbecue restaurants are very different from restaurants outside the city. The ones in town tend to try to do a lot of things and a lot of different styles and have beer and cocktails and desserts. And the ones outside the city are much more traditional and really focused on the old school pork plate with stew, Brunswick stew. In North Georgia, they don't even say Brunswick stew. They just say stew. And that's really the focus. So it really kind of um, registered with me what georgia style is
2: right that's and what it, made really,
0: me, it made me appreciate that because I, I i didn't know how to define georgia as style as opposed to it's because yeah
2: at what's happening in exactly. atlanta yeah that's a really interesting and observation
0: they, they're not you know they don't have tons of sides they never have they never will they don't care so it makes it kind of easy and i really love just a pork plate with stew and coleslaw which is all some of the places have and i like kind of mixing it together
2: one of the fun things about barbecue restaurants is uh, how its color and character give the place so much uniqueness. Which restaurants uh, that you visited sort of jump out at you as as being filled with character?
0: Well, I really love Fresh Air, which is in Jackson. The business, they've been in business since 1929. I think that particular structure is from the 40s, and it's knotty pine. They used to have sawdust on the floors. Uh, they used to order from a window outside and eat at picnic tables. All that is still there, but you can eat inside. And it's one of the places where they just do um, pork and stew and coleslaw and that's it. But I happened to be kind of snooping around and the pit master saw me and sort of like motioned me in and showed me the actual, um, he called it the famous runway because they have a, a wood fire and the smoke goes through this little chamber, this tunnel or runway into the pit where all the, the hams cook. Basically, you can order three, you can order a sandwich, or you can order a pork plate with um, coleslaw or without, and that's it. So they have these old um, cardboard cardboard pictures of the plates. that look like they've been there for fifty years, and it's just like you know vintage Americana. And Um, and tell me about Sconyers. You said the ladies wear long
2: colonial
0: style dresses. The women
2: (laughs) wear colonial dresses, which are, it's not explained why. Why are they dressed this way? The place is really almost like this family farm type setting. It's not its first location. Actually, it's its third location. And the owner used to be, for for a time period, he was the uh, mayor of Augusta. Um, I love that they serve uh, Captain John Deere, good old fashion bread in a bag it's it's at the table when you sit down that's the first thing that you get is like what, this loaf kind of bread, of
0: bread? Oh, it's a lo- captain okay. john deere so it's like white bread it's it's, it's
2: it doesn't look white it's like a yellow bread but it doesn't say okay. it's potato bread okay um they also you're talking about signs they have a drive-through and you have to it, you you drive down this gravel road the sign is super old now their menu is a little bit bigger than you know some, what you were talking about but then after you place your order you continue driving and then there's a loop and you pick it back up but you feel like it is like a farm drive through and the place is massive they have six different dining rooms tons of memorabilia so it's a yeah it's I want to go there I've you, never yeah, been there yeah. I want to go for sure now I will tell you so. the two, there's two other places that I, I think as far as character wise On the way back, we stopped at a place called Heavy's Barbecue, and that's in Crawfordville. Have you ever been there? I have not. Okay. That's off the beaten (laughs) path. Heavy's. Swindle, you have to go.
0: (laughs) Okay. All right.
2: It was the filming scene for the movie Sweet Home Alabama. Okay. It is stuck in time. It really, really is. There's animals taxidermied on the walls inside. Life is a little bit slow there. Uh, but you know, it's it, it has a lot of character. And have you ever gone to Southern Soul in uh, Yes, I in love Saint Simon. I love that place. I do too. It's super colorful. It's fun. It, you know, it's in the old converted gas station, and even its location across the street from from the airport, and it's just yeah. right near this roundabout. There's all this busy traffic happening. Everybody's sitting outside. License plates tacked up to
0: Yeah, um, the sides to are the great, sides. And it's and fun it's near the beach. Exactly. And, yeah, yeah, there's a lot fun there. It. Yeah. It's a good restaurant. Um, One thing, one difference I noticed in the in-town places and the ones outside the city. In North Georgia, I want to talk about desserts now. Okay. So as you know, banana pudding is the big thing in Atlanta. Um, and, And these places out in the country that I went to, they're really big into layer cakes and they always have the the cake sliced and plated on little styrofoam plates covered in plastic, lined up so they're very colorful and the kids always go for the strawberry layer cake and there's a key lime flavored cake. I like caramel cake so and uh, it was that just kind of jumped out at me as something that that was different.
2: Now but we skipped over one thing that Uh, I think is barbecue wouldn't be the same without the sides. And I wonder if you have any favorite spots in Atlanta for sides.
0: Yeah, I could just go to Fox Brothers, and I sometimes do, and just have a plate of sides. I mean, I like their collards and their mac and cheese. How do you
2: want your collards? They,
0: um, I want them with some meat Are in there, me some, too? Yeah, me some too. pork, and um, I want them kind of tangy and a little. It's okay if they're a little bit sweet. Okay. so if you if you add vinegar at some point mm-hmm. you know um, theirs are good and they also do fried okra in yes. season yeah and it's um is it the whole pods I think they they slice but they slice them lengthwise I think I'm not sure about that but it's it's really good fried okra
2: nice you know and, where, yeah go ahead and they
0: also have great pimento cheese and they make these are not sides but they could you be can, all right in the south pimento it. cheese can be a side so, yes yeah. yes
2: well I, when i discovered the um mac and cheese at uh sam's one in cobb i really like that have you had it before it is it's made with ziti and i like that it's different it's not the typical macaroni yeah. it's yes. just so good, good. and um we you know we reviewed
0: that place
2: yes yes last year so. <laughs> the uh, yeah. the and all the trophies on the wall there yeah. remember well
0: he's a he's a historic person yes i know everybody movie, likes Atlanta. to talk yeah. about the
2: big breakup yeah. um the other place I like at Heirloom, the kimchi slaw and the cucumber radish salad are really yeah, nice. Yeah. You know, everybody knows about that those. Slaw but, is good. And then I know maybe it's not a side, but I'm such a bread person. When you sit down at Jim and Nick's and they give you that basket of cheese biscuits, that is the best way to start that a sounds meal. Sounds good. Yes. Which well, you right. don't want to
0: fill up on the bread I though. I know. I
2: know. <laughs> Gotta I know. save room for the big dessert. the main thing, right? Well, in dessert too. So <laughs> I don't know about you, but I think I've gained about 10 pounds. How, what, what, what have you? Done? I think I've gained about
0: 20 pounds. <laughs>
2: so, well, it was worth it. It was worth it. Yeah, it was a lot was of fun. fun. Wendell Brock, thank you so, much, so much for fun. talking thank with me. Thank you. All thank right. You. And on to the next adventure.
0: Can't wait.
1: Let's see what's happening in and around Atlanta over the next 10 days. It's a big weekend for festivals on May 4th and 5th, and they're happening in every corner of the metro Atlanta area. In Forest Park, there's the Swing into Spring Festival at Star Park with live music, games, and some great food. It's happening from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. on May 4th. Go to forestparkga.org for all the info. Just off of 400 at Northridge, you'll find cars in queue for the cause. It's the 10th year for this barbecue and auto show that benefits the Georgia chapter of the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. That's happening from 4 to 7 p.m. May 4th. Tickets, which include dinner, are $30 to $50. Get the details at www.carsnq.com. Over in Gwinnett County, it's time for the annual Snellville Days Festival, which happens May 4th and 5th. In addition to all the usual festival amenities, they'll have a farmer's market and talks by master gardeners. The 46th annual Snellville Days Fest is at Briscoe Park, and you can find more info at SnellvilleDays.org. In Cherokee County, the spring celebration is the Canton Festival of the Arts, which showcases more than 50 local and national artists. That's happening on May 4th and 5th in Brown Park in Canton. Head to cantonartfestival.com for more details. And finally, historic and beautiful Marietta Square comes alive with the annual Mayretta Days Festival in Glover Park. The focus here is on arts and crafts, but there will be live music and more to keep you entertained, too. Mayretta Days takes place May 4th and 5th, and you can find out more at mariettaga.gov. The inaugural season of City Springs Theatre Company, co-founded by Tony-winning Marietta native Shuler Hensley, continues with a production of Billy Elliot, the dance-centric musical, based on the hit film, features a score by Elton John and got 10 Tony Awards. The show opens on May 3rd and continues through May 12th at the Byers Theatre in the Sandy Spring Performing Arts Center. Get tickets and more info at Cityspringstheater.com. British quintet Judas Priest is one of the most influential heavy metal acts of all time, largely because of Rob Halford's hair-raising banshee wail. He split in 1992 and was replaced by Tim the Ripper Owens who had been lead singer in a Judas Priest tribute band. Halford returned in 2003 and has been leading the charge ever since. Though the band achieved its greatest success starting in 1979, they actually got together in 1969 which makes Judas Priest 50 years old this year. So go see some living musical history at the Fox Theater on May 8th at 7.30 p.m when Judas Priest and Uriah Heat, another metal pioneer that formed in 1969, take the stage. Get tickets at foxtheater.org. Texas-born Lizzo, who's been making waves in her adopted hometown of Minneapolis for years, has made a big splash in recent months, though her debut album came out back in 2013, She's just released Cause I Love You, her third album, which has ramped up the excitement that has been building with pre-album singles Juice and the title track. Her breakthrough means that tickets for her May 9th show at the Tabernacle are long gone, like tickets for all the dates on her current tour. She's already announced another run of shows, though there's no Atlanta date on that list just yet. If you really wanna go though, there are reseller tickets available at a pretty high price for her Thursday May 9th show at the Tabernacle. Don't expect her to be playing a venue that small next time around, though. For more things to do in and around Atlanta, go to AJC.com. Our senior editor is Nicole Smith. Podcast edited by Bria Felicien. Music by Bo Emerson and Billy Guen. And I'm your host, Shane Harrison. Join us next week for more Access Atlanta.